Hey ladies, welcome to the Diamond Hands podcast. So you want to own a med spa? Welcome to our community and explore the exciting industry of medical aesthetics and hear from experienced med spa owners and relevant industry experts to guide you on your path. Mindset, money, practice management, marketing, find it here. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Diamond Hands podcast today. We are so excited to have Nikon Rivera, the owner of Air Aesthetics and Education. She has two locations in Denver, Colorado, and LA. She is a boss mom. <laughs> what is up, lady? How what are is you? Up? I'm so excited to be here. I am so excited to have you too. <laughs> and like, guys, just so you know, there's a little bit about you know her background. She's going to get into that, but you know, she has her training program. She's an elegant and a Galderma trainer, and she's also newly minted mint PDO thread trainer as well. <laughs> so all you guys looking for, you know, education out on, you know, the West Coast, things like that, even, you know, throughout the country, you should be looking into her. Um, so again, Nikon, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This is so exciting. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be back and just chat with you and catch up. I know. So you guys, I, I interviewed her for my book because you guys know she's like a boss babe, like 37,000 followers. I'm sitting here no. with like five, like, oh, hey, no, girl. stop, stop. It's like a part-time job. I mean, luckily I got on Instagram early on, but I can't yes. keep up. Like there's, you know, it's, it's hard to keep up with. It's a lot of work. It's a lot <laughs> of work. So, so basically, you know, I just wanted to kind of start with the beginning. So you are, you know, a PA obviously. And so just tell me a little bit about you know, your medical background, what really got you into, you know, medicine in the first place? What was your why for medicine? Oh, I love that question because for me, it was definitely a journey. I was not the kind of person who like, as since I was little, I wanted to be a doctor or be in medicine or anything like that. Mm -hmm. And in college, I went to University of Miami in Florida. Um, and I really just kind of try to keep like a really good diverse education. I did business um, classes. I have a business minor. Um, I even looked at, you know, things in like marketing. So I really tried to explore because I knew that was kind of my time to really set the foundation for what makes my heartbeat. What am yes. I passionate about? Uh, and I did a medical volunteer trip to Haiti. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized like, okay, this is it. I've always had a love for science. Yeah. Um, but I, I was almost getting to a point where I was like, I'm just ready to work. Like, I'm kind of sick of school. I, you know, I feel like I've given everything to school and like the thought of doing like another decade of school wasn't appealing to me, but I wanted to be in medicine. And so, um, when we did this medical volunteer trip and I just realized like, wow, how much medicine it, it it's a privilege. It's a privilege to have access to medicine. It's a privilege, yeah. um, to be able to receive medicine and so, and to even offer medicine. So that's when I realized what a lack of medicine there is in the world. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I knew. And I, I knew I wanted to go into medicine. I just didn't know exactly how to get there because I didn't yeah. necessarily want to do med school. I knew people who were in med school and um, I was looking at nursing. And then I actually got sick and went to my doctor um, and she, he had the PA come see me and she was actually a PA student. Mm -hmm. And I had a couple of derm questions about my skin. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so what are you? And she, she explained it to me and I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds like a dream. Like I had never seen a PA before then. I had kind of heard of a career, but just wasn't sure. And she just spent so much time with me and her recommendations and her plan were just so straightforward. Wow. Um, and so when the doctor came, I was like, oh my gosh, I know what it is, what I want to do. And it was, I was like junior year of, of college. So I was just getting to that point where like, I, I have to decide, like, are you going to do pre-med? Are you going to, and luckily my school, University of Miami had a pre-PA um, program, a pre-physician assistant program. I had already met most of the requirements because I was a science major. Um, and then I just love the fact that it's more hands-on experience. Like most PA programs are two to three years. Um, mm -hmm. And then really you're doing most of your learning in, at work in the real world. And I like the flexibility of not having to commit to like one specialty. Um, mm -hmm. So that for me was huge because, you know, I had so many interests in science and I've always had an interest in dermatology and I, interned with Dr. Frederick Brandt, who was leading at the time, a lot of the um, FDA approval studies for different fillers in the US. Ooh, so in Miami, fun. yeah, in Miami, I just like was cold calling dermatology clinics, like, hey, do you need an intern? Like, you know, I want to do dermatology and I'm just trying to get some experience. And it was like, no, no, no. 
And then I saw, oh, dermatology research center. Like I love science. I want to get into derm. I just, I just now, you know, realized I want to be a PA um, and this will be great experience. So I just walk in, I got dressed up for the role. I walk in and, and I was like, hi, I'd love to do research for you guys. And the, the research director was there. I still remember his name, Alex Casaniga, but he, um, he was there. So they were like, oh, well, let's have you talk to our research director. He comes out and, you know, he's like, so you don't expect to be paid? Like, you just want to be an intern? I was like, yep, I just want experience. Like, I just want to dive in. And he's like, okay, great. Can you come Monday? And, you know, it was, I didn't realize at the time what a big name Frederick Brandt was until later, until I started interviewing, until I really got into Durham and realized like, wow, this was like a pioneer for aesthetic medicine in the U.S. I mean, he had clinic, a clinic in Paris, a clinic in New York. But he was leading some of the, the big studies to get, you know, different fillers approved in the U.S. So that was really the first time I saw the aesthetic side of medicine. I thought it was just going to be derm and like dealing with skin conditions and, you know, derm, derm, dermatology conditions. And so when I saw him doing in fillers and, you know, injectables and lasers and, you know, just seeing like how that boosted everyone's confidence, it was really the first time I saw the combination and like the immersion of seeing aesthetics going into medicine. I didn't even really know what aesthetic medicine was before then. Mm -hmm. Like I hadn't, I knew a filler is I didn't, I didn't really really think that was medicine. You know, I didn't realize like how they're connected and I was just blown away. And that's, that's when I realized like, this is what I want to do. And so, and after um, I graduated, I worked as a uh, epidemiologist, uh, infectious disease coordinator in Tampa. Mm -hmm. And then, um, once I got into PA school, I did my elective in dermatology and, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of kept trying to find the right job and get the right training. And it just kind of grew from there. And that's what took me to LA. I had really great training, um, at my first job and he was really pro education. So I was going to every training possible in LA. Mm -hmm. Um, and before I knew it, I got asked to be a trainer and, um, then a trainer for Galderma and it just continued to grow. So that's really how it came um, into fruition was just kind of that first medical mission trip to Haiti. Mm -hmm. And then just, and that's why I always encourage people like explore your options because I, you know, I just, had I not taken those opportunities and um, you know, they're not always paid. Like I, I had to pay for my trip to Haiti and I had to do a six month internship for free, but that changed the course of my life. So I think sometimes people expect like the experience to be given to them and Mm -hmm. to really discover what you want to do and what your calling is. You have to go out there and try things and put yourself out there and, Mm -hmm. and you'll realize what you're passionate about. So that's kind of how it all came into play. I I think that is so amazing. And I really, really love the fact that you said you really have to get out there to Mm -hmm. find out what your passion is Mm -hmm. because no one's going to come to you and say, Hi, Nikon. You know, this is your passion. Go forth, sister. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm like, yeah. no one's doing that. We don't get some yeah. olive branch from the, from, the, from the sky coming down. Yeah. We need to go out. We need to take action. We need to do. Yeah. And by doing, then we understand where we fit in. Yeah. And I'm sure every injector you've worked with or interviewed can agree. Like, we all get messages now like, hey, how do I get into this field? I don't even respond to them. Cause I'm like, at this point, like I, I can't hand feed it to you. You know, I can't tell you, Hey, go put yourself out there. Either you put yourself out there, you're willing to do the you know work. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would say at least on a weekly basis, I get a message like, Hey, I want to get into aesthetics. You know, can you give me some tips? And mm-hmm. I think in the beginning, and I've done posts on my page of how I got into this, to this role, yeah. but I think this is, it's starting to become a very desirable career. And I do think it's still something that requires passion. You know, you still have to have the passion for education. So I think Mm -hmm. people who really want to break into it will, they'll find a way. Um, People who just want to do it because of like the lifestyle or for whatever reason, um, you know, they might not make it to all the trainings and they might not fight to find that right job. And, Mm -hmm. and just like anything in life, if you want it bad enough, you'll, you'll explore it, you'll pave your way. And I think that's just, it's, it's no different in this, you know, in this field as well. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, because you definitely paid your dues, like, you know, you worked for free for, for six months, you cold call to even get opportunities. Like how many, <laughs> sorry, millennials, <laughs> millennials sorry. about to pick on you. Yeah, my millennials. Know, <laughs> how many of you are actually going to get on the phone and call, cold call anybody? You want to slide in somebody's DMs, but you don't want to dress up in a suit and walk in and say, hello, I am so-and-so. Yes. Right. Right. 
And I think that's definitely lacking. Like, and I think that's why it's almost getting harder and harder to break into because, um, you know, people want the trainings given to them and they don't realize Mm -hmm. like it's an investment. You know, you have to, I had to pack up and move from Denver to California for the right opportunity and just try to keep getting as much training. You know, I, I, I really, I interviewed, I think at almost 10 clinics until Mm. I found the clinic that I was like, this is going to be the right education. They're not just going to throw me in. It's not just about the money. Um, so I had to say no to opportunities and I don't think it's a, the field is only growing. So the opportunities are there, but I think people are getting more savvy at like who really wants to do this, mm-hmm. who is going to, who's going to take good care of my patients mm-hmm. um, and who wants to do this just because they, they want to be an injector. They just want to, you know, and they're sick of the hospital or they're sick of whatever, and they want to make a change. Mm-hmm. So it requires just as much passion and grit. And yeah, I agree. I mean, I think you really have to find your way and fight for it and, and mm-hmm. continual education and it, it, it doesn't stop you know just because you find a job doesn't mean you stop doing your training and that's why I love training so much and mm-hmm. I continue to go to my own trainings it never stops for me either yeah. um, so it's an exciting field because it's never you know it's never stagnant there's always new products there's always new lasers there's always new techniques yeah. and that's what I really wanted in a career as well I didn't want something that you know, wasn't going to be ever changing. I, I like to be intrigued and interested all the time, and, moving, all moving. the time. And this is it. And it's so much fun. And, and that, and that's really excellent. And I, and I, wow, what did I just say? Excellent. But uh, yes, <laughs> I love that. So, you know, I, I just want to ask, so, you know, when you, so uh, what year did you actually start, you know, your business, Air Aesthetics? I, I technically just started in 2020. So I was getting the ball rolling in 2019 and then the pandemic happened. And so, um, I was getting all the pieces in place, you know, Mm -hmm. working with lawyers, getting the LLC, getting everything Mm -hmm. in place. And come February, the business was formed, Mm -hmm. um, and February of 2020. Mm -hmm. And I had my son in 2019. So I, you know, I went on maternity leave and right when I got back from maternity leave, I'm like, okay, this is the time, like, we're going to do this. And started getting everything in place and then like everything shut down. And so the good news is like, it gave me time to really think of, okay, what do I really want? You know, because Mm -hmm. once you get started, it's like a snowball. It doesn't stop. It's one thing after another. And um, you almost start feeling like little hamster. You're just in this wheel of, you know, business stuff and items and hiring and, you know, inventory and, you know, risk management. And so it gave me time to really explore how to put things in place the right way. Yes. I had a lot of consultations. I spoke with a lot of people during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I don't, it, it, I think it prepares you, but nothing really prepares you for when like you actually start your business. That's when it really yeah. kind of hits the fan. But so I had that time during the pandemic to just kind of start putting all the pieces together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it was officially formed in 2020. Mm-hmm. And then we decided to move from LA to Denver. So that was another delay. But yeah. the beauty is that's kind of what really caused me to have two locations. Cause had, exactly. I, had we stayed in LA, I probably just would have had a LA location. Yeah. And I was building up a demand in Denver. I was doing a lot of trainings here. So people were constantly reaching out to me. I had like a little list of people who were like waiting to see if I ever start practicing in Denver. Exactly. So it kind of, it got the wheel, the wheels going for opening up and getting my, um, reactivating my license and getting everything mm-hmm. in place to start seeing patients in Denver. Mm -hmm. Um, so when we moved in August, I already had the business, um, going in LA and then, um, it took a couple months to get everything going in Denver Mm -hmm. and then I hired an injector. So I didn't really start seeing patients in Denver until December Mm because it took a couple months. Same thing. Like the met, you know, the medical board is closed in Denver. And so when they're reviewing everything, it just takes time. So I definitely think the pandemic added a little bit more of a weight to just getting things, you know, approved and going and, you know, getting everything filed. So then December of 2020, I started seeing patients in um, Denver and then it was just getting so busy in LA. I, you know, I couldn't keep up with both. So that's when I finally hired an injector who's amazing, Jennifer Ordonio in LA. So we have an injector in LA and I still go back and try to see as many patients as I can. And then I'm kind of like based out of Denver now. Yeah. And and that's so great, but you were able to build and create followings before you even opened up. And that's like powerful that you were able to do that. So now you're booked and busy and we just started like, you know, (laughs) a few years ago, like that's, that's amazing. And that's kind of the power of Instagram is I didn't realize how many followers I had in Denver and maybe it's because I did trainings here. So I would like tag Denver locations and 
Um, but from day one, when we opened, like we already had a little wait list and, you know, it just wow. started booking so quickly. Um, so I never thought when I opened my business, I would open with two locations and it was pretty overwhelming. Like the first couple months <laughs> I was like, what, what am I doing? Like, I cannot keep up here. I'm starting my business for the first time and it already has two locations. Like I'm oh already trying to figure it all out. So for the first two, three months, it was really hard. Oh and I even, God. there was times where I was like, you know what, maybe I should just focus on one location. And I was like, no, I can't like my heart is in both places and we're going to make it work. We're just going to keep working at it. And now, now it's a really good flow. But in the beginning I was like, what am I doing? Facts, but you <laughs> know, go in, on? you're going hard, you know, go yes, hard or go home. Yes, and you like, you really like you kicked it. So that, that's <laughs> great. And I, and I really love that. So, you know, I do want to ask you this question. So how much do you think, cause you know, a lot of med spa owners that I've talked to, they've kind of said that they started their med spa because they were getting burnout. You know, they were in like, mm. uh, you know, critical care or they mm. were in pain management or they were in the ER and they were like, mm -hmm. we wanted something that was happy. Mm -hmm. So how much do you think burnout contributes to the, especially over during COVID, the, the kind of like influx of people wanting to get into the industry? You know, I definitely, I think it contributes greatly because even I know people who are in the ER and they're just tired and they're like, I can't do it anymore. Mm -hmm. um, I think owning a med spa is, is a lot of work too. So mm -hmm. I think there's also a burnout when people from whatever field they go into, if they directly go into owning a business. Mm -hmm. um, but I think there's, you know, there's a demand in medicine with insurance and charting and seeing you seeing a high volume of patients that. I started in internal medicine for the first nine months after PA school while I was interviewing for jobs, for um, jobs in aesthetic medicine. And, um, you know, I had only been in it for nine months and even I was kind of starting to feel the burden of seeing patient after patient and like coming home and charting all night and like submitting things for insurance. So I think, unfortunately, there is a much bigger toll on medical providers than just walking mm -hmm. in and seeing your patient. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes. There's so much of it that you have to take home and work on. And, um, you know, you're just always thinking of liability issues. And um, so I definitely think the pandemic added a different component because, you know, this is a global pandemic. The, the need, it just skyrocketed to the point where people who are already in these fields were really getting burned out. You know, there, there's so much that's being demanded of them. I have a family member who's in ER physician in New York and she has two little kids and she's just like, I, you know, I'm done. It's, it's, really taken a toll on her. Oh, so I think the pandemic definitely kind of made people realize even people who I don't think are in medicine, I think just having seeing what how quickly the world can shift made people realize what do I really want to do? How do I really want to spend my time? I think it's making people prioritize having more free time, having time with family, having a better quality of life. You're just mm -hmm. you're seeing people dying left and right and you're just realizing like this our time here is limited. So, so if limited. you're not happy in that environment or if you're not happy in what you're doing in medicine, then I definitely think it created a shift for a lot of people of how can I stay in medicine? Mm -hmm. How can I still be a provider, um, but do something that's a little bit slower pace or not as demanding. Um, and, and that's where I think, you know, people come in this field who are truly passionate and there's mm -hmm. people who come in the field cause they just didn't want to do the medicine they were doing before and, you know, wow. and yeah. don't want to, don't want to do the training or, um, you know, just wanted to open up a med spa to have a, a better quality of life. But I definitely yeah. think the pandemic influenced that for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Cause there's, there's a huge influx, you know, Yeah, and, 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 you know, especially, you know, in your state, you know, this is, you hold yourself to high standards and things, but you know, they, it's still very, uh, interesting. Like estheticians have a little bit more scope than they do in other places. Yeah. They're doing things that they shouldn't, you know? Yeah. And, and medical like, assistant, medical like, assistants can inject here. And I think girl. there's only a few other States that allow that, but, um, Ooh. Ooh. yeah, I mean, I'm so used, I'm, I'm used to California that really has these strict rules and regulations. And everyone told me like, you know, Colorado is the wild, wild West and, and yeah. <laughs> so like, how do you feel about that? You know, with, you know, estheticians and medical assistants, what's your opinion on that? You know, that's a challenging question because I get challenged on that. And I'll be honest, I've, I have seen estheticians who have been practicing longer than me and have mm -hmm. great practices and they stay on top of their education. 
Mm -hmm. um, in Colorado. I had never experienced that before. And I had come as a trainer in California. I had been requested to train in Colorado and Mm -hmm. I did training where I didn't even realize they were estheticians. They didn't tell me. And I didn't even ask because I didn't know this was a rule. I didn't, Mm -hmm. or I didn't know it was legal. So in, in California, that's, they're so strict about it. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I think what I have learned is that you can be in this field and still not really know anatomy, still not really Mm -hmm. know safety. I've trained PAs of 15 years of experience who had no knowledge and no desire to really learn anatomy and safety. And I've, I've trained brand new RNs who are so particular and they're, they take it very seriously. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where I've realized, like, it's really an internal desire. Mm -hmm. Um, Not everyone stays on top of their education in this field. Not everyone is going to cadaver. I can't tell you how, I mean, I train on a weekly basis. I train multiple clinics, different backgrounds. Um, and I have come across many more injectors who don't stay up on their education than in- mm. injectors who do. Um, cool. and so I, I, mean, I walk into trainings where people have been training for longer than I have. And like, I can tell they don't have a good in-depth knowledge of anatomy. Um, they, they haven't heard of some of the big cadaver labs that are being offered right now. Yeah. Um, so it just lets me know they're not staying up to date. You know, they're just kind of relying on the one or two free allergen trainings they get a year. Mm-hmm. That's never how I was. I always sought like the best trainings all the time. I always wanted yes. to be the best I can be. So I think in Denver, it's hard because a lot of these estheticians have busy, successful practices. They've been mm-hmm. injecting for a long time. Um, and I've seen, like I said, I've seen other medical providers who have higher education, but don't take it as seriously. Interesting. And I do think if you have the, if you have the drive and if you have the respect for anatomy and if you have the respect for patient care, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, it's hard to say cause it's legal for a reason, you know, obviously the medical board feels that there's, you know, medical estheticians have enough training to do this. Mm-hmm. I don't think out of school, they have enough training at all at, you know, yeah. I just, I, that I can't agree with they, if you, if you can't recognize, you know, certain conditions and prescribe and, but I've also met dermatologists who don't think RNs should inject. And I've met plastic surgeons who think RNs aren't qualified and that because they mm-hmm. can't prescribe, they shouldn't inject. So, mm-hmm. um, and again, I've met RNs who I feel like their education level and, and the amount of time they spend is, is higher than some of the MDs I've trained in this field. Yeah. So yeah. it's a tough, it's a tough situation because we can't change it right now. I know there's a lot of people who are fighting against estheticians injecting and mm-hmm. the truth mm-hmm. is they're going to inject. I see a lot of patients who've seen in other esthetician injectors. And mm-hmm. I think when something goes wrong in this field, it affects everyone. You know, there was a case True. of blindness in LA by a dermatologist, like a really Ooh. well-renowned dermatologist. And it, it, it even affected my business. I mean, I had patients coming in who were friends with this client, with this person who went blind mm-hmm. and they were like way more nervous to do treatments, even though they were like, you know, we trust you, but my friend's wearing an eye patch. She had to mm-hmm. get surgery. And like, I just didn't realize that was a risk. So I think one thing going wrong affects everyone. And that's where I think it's each person has to do their share of making sure that they are on top of the most recent recommendations. They're Mm -hmm, staying mm -hmm, on top of it. mm -hmm. Um, And like I said, I mean, in Denver, it's just, I've I've walked into so many clinics that don't have enough Hylinex. They don't know the recent recommendations. And um, so I definitely think it's a little behind here compared to other places. It's growing, it's getting there. So yeah. maybe some of those legalities and like who can and can't inject will change. And that might set a different standard mm-hmm. in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, I, you know, I feel like if they're open and they're in business and they're injecting, we need to make sure they're doing it safely rather than just ignoring them and being like, oh, estheticians can inject. So let's mm-hmm. let them do their own thing. And then they're running to issues and occlusions that are affecting the rest of us. Well, yeah, so, and that's the biggest thing that I, I've heard when, you know, when I'm talking to different injectors, just like, you know, do you know how to reverse or do you know how to take care yeah. of inclusion and things like that? It's one thing to inject, as you know, it's another thing to take care of a medical mishap or something. Yes. Which, right. is, which is the scary side. Personally, I wouldn't go to an esthetician, but I know yeah. that they're, you know, I know, I, I understand where you're coming from completely and it probably will change, but who knows? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah and I I, I think I think they should look at in general you know how can you medically are you able to medically manage and that should be Mm. the deciding factor if you're not able to medically manage or um you know and there's even a lot of business owners who uh can't prescribe and their Mm -hmm. supervising physician their medical director isn't involved in this field 
And to me, that's just as risky. You know, it's like if you have someone, I mean, it's just as risky. If you're, if you can't, if you don't have prescribing ability and you quickly go out on your own because you can, um, and now you have a medical director who is barely charging you, but has no experience in aesthetics, Mm -hmm. you're going to be in the same situation as some, you know, someone else with, you're going to be in almost a worse situation than someone with a lower degree, but who has been, who's experienced and has been practicing for a while and their medical director is in this field. So that's where, that's what I see in Colorado. Unfortunately, it's like, yes, you have estheticians who are injecting. They've Mm -hmm. been injecting for a while. Their medical director is a plastic surgeon who Mm -hmm. agrees with, you know, and so they're going to have more support actually, if something goes wrong than, you know, a brand new RN out of school who doesn't have experience and just found like a retired anesthesiologist has no hyalinex, doesn't know how to do. And and I, I bumped into both situations. So yeah, that makes sense. I think that's that like, I think it skewed me a little bit. Like I think mm-hmm. before when I was in LA, I would have been like, oh, absolutely not. Like <laughs> yeah, this is yeah. unacceptable. And, but now that I see how many people are just in this field to be in it and still don't mm-hmm. have, even though they're licensed and you know, they're licensed medical professionals, they don't mm-hmm. have the heart for it. They're not staying on top of it. I see just as many problems happening at their clinics and they reach out to me and, you know, And I think they make, you know, they can miss a lot of things just as easily. So that's where I think it really, you have to have the medical degree. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to have the medical education to support running into a a problem and being able to address it. But you also have to have that desire for ongoing education. I think that's what really makes the difference. Yeah. And and, and that kind of gets to my next point, ongoing education. And you are a proponent of that. So tell us a little bit more about, you know, the... The training program that you do have that you've developed um tell us more about that process how someone could become a student of yours like talk to us more about that how that even developed so i because i love training so much i mean there's every time i do a training there's something i pick up and even even though i seek the best trainings in the country and i pay the money and you know when, when people find out how much i think in 2020 alone, I had spent $12,000 on just my own training. And, and, and I won't blink an eye at it because if it's going to make my practice safer, if it's going to help contribute to the safety of this field, I'm, I, I I have a, there, it's an investment for me and there's always going to be a budget. And I usually go over it because education (laughs) is just so important to me. So that's what makes me so passionate about training others. Um, and it really came into fruition after I became an allergen trainer. That's when I realized like, oh my gosh, I love training. I mean, I'll be honest. There's days I like training more than seeing patients. <laughs> patients are fun. You know, patients are the base of, of what we do, but, um, educating my peers is just as fun and just as fulfilling for me. So, yeah. um, I, as I was doing my allergen trainings and as I was, you know, I was getting more and more requested in LA and I ended up becoming one of the most requested trainers, um, at one point. And so it just got to a point where people were asking me questions and wanting to see things that I couldn't do in the training. Mm-hmm. And that's when I wanted to kind of do my own private trainings. Cause you have, you know, in Allergan and Galderma trainings, you have to stay on labels. So you have to mm-hmm. stay on things that are FDA approved. And a lot of the face that we inject like jawline, tear troughs, temples are not FDA approved. So we can't teach mm-hmm. those in Allergan or Galderma trainings. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where people can kind of run into issues as they start doing areas that are higher risk without proper training. Mm-hmm. So um, that's when I kind of started offering private trainings because I had more and more injectors reach out to me like, hey, can I schedule a private training with you to learn, you know, your tear trough technique or your temple mm-hmm. technique or your jawline? At the time, chin wasn't indicated. It, it was, it, it's now indicated, but at the time yeah. it wasn't. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's when I realized like, okay, there's, there's a whole piece of what we do that we aren't able to do on, you know, with these, um, big pharma companies. And so mm-hmm. I started doing more private trainings and now I, I don't really necessarily have a program because I think people should just seek as many trainings as possible mm-hmm. from as many mm-hmm. different people that, that are reputable and have, have experience. Yeah. So I schedule private trainings for, um, you know, beginner, intermediate, advanced, Mm-hmm. And they can go through each one. So I've had injectors who did the beginning, they did the intermediate, they did the advanced. And, you know, I'm kind of like a resource for them. I've had advanced injectors just reach out to me who are like, hey, I just want to learn these different techniques. I've had yeah. beginner injectors. And, you know, there's some protocols for beginner injectors. They have to be obviously licensed. They're me- they have to have a medical director mm-hmm. um, because you'll get people who just want to leave the hospital until they want to come train with you. Um, yeah. But you have to make sure their mob practice covers it. You have to make sure 
their medical director knows they're doing this because exactly. they're still taking care of a patient. So mm -hmm. um, with newer injectors, you just have to kind of check a few more boxes and make sure that they have everything in place to be able to train them. Mm -hmm. um, but most of most of the people who reach out to me are people who want more advanced areas and we couldn't cover it in the allergen or Galderma training. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how the training, uh, the private training where like my trainings came into fruition and I've done group trainings um, mm -hmm. and I'm actually transitioning into more group trainings just because my time is so nice. limited. So yeah, so like I love training for Allergan and you know, I'm excited to start training for Mint. Um, but I'm, I'm transitioning to doing bigger group training so I can, I can just train more people. Excellent. Um, and so I'll have one in LA coming up and I have one in Denver coming up. And so, Excellent. um, yeah, that way it's like, we can really focus on what we want to focus on. We're not limited to time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it'll be more personalized. Yeah, that, that, that is so great. Education is truly the key to everything. And something that you had talked about before, um, is your, you know, you have a business minor, you have a leg up on many of these other medical providers. Like for example, my sister, she's a doctor and her, her, her boyfriend's a doctor. They're like, we want to start our practice next year. I'm like, go sis. <laughs> but you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, they don't have the, the they don't have the, the business background. And I'm like, honey, I'm like, make sure you take a couple of business classes. I'm like, I'm here as a oh, resource yeah. too, but I'm like, take some business classes. So, you know, yep. not to be dangerous. Yeah. So, how do you feel that your, you know, minor in business and the education that you got there has translated into business success in your practice from an operational standpoint? Honestly, I haven't applied a single thing from my business minor because I just, I know, <laughs> because it's another thing I think is really based on grit. You know, yeah. I think it's based on grit. It's based on, um, opening a business was probably the most challenging thing I've done in this career. Mm -hmm. I had no idea how much it takes. Like I, you just, you know, you get so used to showing up to work and scheduling's done for you. Inventory's done for you. Every, you just mm -hmm. see your patients. And, um, and when it, when I came to open a business, I knew I had to start kind of seeking some business mentors because mm -hmm. I had worked alongside Vanessa Lee who opened up her business in wow. California. And I was, wow. I was there with her from day one. And, just seeing, I mean, seeing how much work I didn't even realize, I still didn't realize behind the scenes how much work goes into it. Yeah. So I started kind of seeking out some business mentors and that was more um, informative for me than what I learned in business school. You know, like what you learn in finance and marketing doesn't mm -hmm. apply. Instagram wasn't as big <laughs> back in when I was doing my marketing class, you know, and yes. TikTok, we didn't have TikTok back then. Oh, so, God. um, and like SEOs, I don't remember really learning about SEOs or Google ads and stuff. And so, yeah. um, I actually think that you be, being savvy in business is your own, it's another process of learning constantly and seeking out mentors and seeing what's currently working in the market, doing your own research, so, um, and I think that's why there are so many people who really don't have business degrees and still do well in business because it's, it's not always what you learn in school that you apply. It's kind of what you're, oh, of course. what you're seeking now. So, um, I, I think working alongside Vanessa Lee, um, I spent a day shadowing Dr. Toy Doan, which I recommend to everyone because mm -hmm. she's just so business savvy and I learned a lot of, um, great things from her. And so I just knew before I really open, I needed to start doing my, my own journey in learning how to be a business owner. And so before I even had the paperwork for Denver, I was already kind of seeking out training and kind of seeking out who can guide me in this and um, who do I already have a relationship with as a successful business, business owner that can kind of mentor me. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really applied. And same thing, I, I really took that opportunity of working with Vanessa at the start of her business and just kind of absorbed everything like a little sponge. And mm -hmm. um, same thing, try to find like the opportunities that were going to help me now transition from being an employee to a business owner. Yeah. Um, and that's what's kind of helped me the most. But it, there's definitely so many days that it's just based on your own grit. It's like, how late are you willing to stay up and get stuff done? Are you willing yeah. to stay up till two or three, even though you have like family stuff? And you know, the, I think the first year is the hardest. That's what a lot of people have told me. And there were so many nights where I was like, why am I doing this? I miss just being able to walk in. Why? <laughs> and that's where you're like, okay, I have a calling. Like, I feel called to do this. Like, I, I have a vision. Um, and so that's where I think it just kind of goes based back to why, why, what's your why of opening your own business versus just staying where you're at? 
Exactly. And, and, and that's the main thing. When you have a vision, when you have a calling, mm-hmm. it's like no matter what is coming at you, mm-hmm. you kind of, people think you're crazy. They're like, why mm-hmm. the hell mm-hmm. are you still pushing forward like a ox? <laughs> and it's like, what, really? And yeah. you're just like, no, like I see this. And because it's like, you know, people don't understand. It's like when you have a vision of yourself and you're not there yet, but you continue to see that vision every single day yeah. and play it in your mind. Yeah. It's like, you continue to force yourself to keep going until you get closer, totally. and closer and closer and closer and closer. Yeah. Bam. One day. Yeah. It's like, Whoa, I Ooh. came from here and now I'm here. <laughs> and, and I think that's the most exciting thing when you're creating yeah. a business or because it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're a mom of one and, and you have another one on the way. And it's like, just to see that you've been able to do this despite all of that and balancing. And, you know, my question to you then too, is, how do you manage being a, a mother, a, a wife, and a business module all at the same time? Like, what what forces do you have to corral <laughs> in into your life to make sure you can kind of balance? Yeah, it? I mean, home life is a mess, right? Like, if, <laughs> if and I just have to admit it. Like, I have so much organization; I'm just never going to get done. We yeah. moved, and half our stuff is still in boxes, and I'm like, I'm just not going to do it. Maybe this whole year, you know? So. There's definitely a sacrifice, you know, you have to find, okay, where do I need to sacrifice? And it's seasons. So when I first started, it was so time consuming. I was like, all right, I'm going through a season. I need to get help for my son. So we ended up, we found a nanny and um, that's one reason we moved to Denver so we can have more time with family. And now, now I'm at a season where I'm like, okay, now I'm ready to have my second. So maybe Mm -hmm. I need to start slowing down a little bit. And I think the hardest part for me was I'm, I'm a pusher. Like I will, push myself to the limit. I like to do more and more and more almost, almost to the extent where it could affect, you know, it takes a toll on me and my health. Mm. But the one thing I've had to realize is like, there, there has to be a limitation, you know? And, and I, I was talking to this with my husband recently. I was like, you know, I'm just going to have to accept the fact that I'm good at this point. Like I don't need to open up a third location and I don't need to branch out into a bigger location right now because mm-hmm. right now with the new baby coming and, and with my son, like I want a little more time with my family. Yeah. And I think going through the season of just starting the business was so busy that I'm like, I'm good now. Like I'm, this is okay. I don't need to, as much as I am that kind of person who's always looking for the next achievement and the next thing and the next opportunity, I got to a point where I was like, if I want to maintain some control over <laughs> business and family and like everything you said, like if I want to have some balance, mm-hmm. there's going to have to be sacrifices. And so right now is probably not the time to quickly mm-hmm. expand to a bigger location or to, yeah. Uh, look at a third location right now. And, and that's where sometimes as a business owner, you, it's the decisions you have to make. You have to kind of decide, okay, what's good for my business? What's good for my family? What do I really want right now? And I've just learned being a business owner is constantly seasonal. I mean, there might be a season after the second baby where I'm like, all right, I'm on, I'm back. Mm-hmm. Let's look at this third location. Like, let's mm-hmm. look at a bigger space. And um, for a long time in Denver, I was looking at a bigger space and I just got to a point where I was like, you know, it's going to be a lot and I'm still managing yeah. LA. Um, you know, I'm still growing here. So maybe, maybe it's okay to hold off right now. And and maybe yeah. after the baby gets here, I'll have more energy and time to look for the right bigger space. And so you're just, you're constantly pushing forward and then pulling back a little and like pushing yeah. forward. And it's, it's, <laughs> it's a constant balance juggle. And so that's what I've really realized, like the balance the juggle never ends. You're always, yeah. you're making a decision on a daily basis of yeah. how are you going to manage the business, but also manage family life and manage personal goals. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know the girl, I don't know the last time I worked out, you know, it just hasn't happened since I've opened up a business, <laughs> you know? And so there might be a time where I'm like, <laughs> okay, I, I want to slow down from work to focus on my personal health. You know, it's just, yeah. that's yeah. why I say, I mean, there's always something that I think is, is kind of a hot mess until you realize like, okay, now I need to focus on this. And, And then you realize like the next day, okay, I need to focus on this. So um, I wish I had like a better solution. And, and I think what's really helped me is again, having mentors, other moms that I know are managing family life and um, growing in business. Cause when you can, when you have a network and when you have um, people you can fall back on who just Mm -hmm. kind of motivate you and say, you know what, you got it. I've been there. It's hard. Mm -hmm. You know, same, we're juggling the same things. You realize like, okay, this is normal. I'm not I'm not failing at one thing just because I'm excelling in another, you know, like everything is going to have a little give and take. So I've just gone to the point where I've just got to accept it's a constant juggling. It's a constant juggling act. (laughs) Always seeking balance. 
Exactly. <laughs> and, and, and it's like, you know, and you'll get to a point and, you know, when the, the, that you could outsource some things. Like I know some people yeah. who outsource their laundry and then they yep. outsource taking care of the kids for a few hours. Yeah. And, they outsource, and it's like, you know, and just being a manager all, of all yeah. these things instead of having to do them all, that's just like, whew. Girl, oh, and that's so I'm true. Waiting for that. Oh my gosh, girl, that is so true. Like I, I feel like I'm a manager of my home because yes. we have, you know, we have help with childcare and we try mm-hmm. to get extra help with household stuff. And so mm-hmm. um, you almost end up taking on more roles just so you can mm-hmm. like outsource things. And luckily I have amazing assistants. I think the team I've recruited has just been so helpful. They've taken a big load off me. And that's oh. that's part of having a team. And that's part of kind of building the right team is that, they take a lot of that load off you so you can be your best in your business and not feel like you're just drowning and everything and that now you start kind of becoming bitter and, and now you've lost that passion for being a business owner. So sure, yeah. um, there's it's an investment too. I mean, I, there's definitely, I've met business owners who don't have a medical assistant and I'm like, nope, I, I need one. Like that's what helps me balance my day and not feel like I'm getting, you know, I'm drowning in all the little stuff. And, mm-hmm. um, I have, uh, essentially like a virtual assistant who does all my scheduling for me. And I know in, nice. injectors who do their own scheduling and that for me was going to take up too much time. So I try to find, I try, I try to find what do I want to outsource and what do mm-hmm. I want to focus on myself and, and kind of just worked on that. Yeah. I think you hit the nail right on the head there. You focus on what you want to do. And then you and then you have other people help you with the rest of it so that you can yeah. focus on, on what you want to do. Because like you right. said, we both know injectors that are doing everything themselves. Like, oh, I'm fine. While like hell's burning around them. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, no. My, my first three months, I was like, I am not fine. Someone said help. I am drowning. I hate this. I said help. Help. Yes, and help. I was like, okay, what do I like to do? Like, I cannot do it all. That's not me. I mean, I, I, when I, when I see people who are like, oh, I wake up every morning and do my meditation. And I'm like, I, I'm, I'm like running by the minute. Like, I'm like, let me quickly wrap, get something for lunch and get the baby some food and make it's, it's always chaos for me. I, that's I not my first, you know, I, I'm not that planned organized. No, especially in like being a business owner has just highlighted that even more. And that's where I'm like, all right, this is what I'm going to do. Everything else I'm going to outsource. And if it's an extra expense, I, it's, it's worth the time, honey. It's worth the time. Amen. It's like, same <laughs> thing. It's like, even like with my assistant, because it's like, I'm, I love talking to people. I love doing, you know, my planning work and stuff, but then like all the paperwork and the rules and all the things that come behind it. I'm like, <sighs> and if I didn't have my girl, like I'd be in these streets, like yeah. it would just not be good. No, so, it, it makes you efficient. It makes you, exactly. it allows you to do even more, which is so great. Exactly. And so my mm-hmm. last question to you is, you know, what would be your words of advice for women who are PAs, nurse practitioners, whatever, they want to come into this industry and do what you have done, what would be your piece of advice for them? Mm, that's so good. Um, my piece of advice is you have the ability to create your dream career. And you have to do it or with any field, I feel like you'll burn out as a mom and as, as um, if you decide to become a business owner. And so for me, I really sought out the opportunities that I knew were going to align well with me. Mm-hmm. And it took a lot of self-seeking. It took a lot of time of realizing like, okay, I like to do this, but I don't like to do this. So there was a lot of navigation and that's where it was worth taking some opportunities, even if they were lower pay. I, I learned things about myself and how I want my career to look. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to be willing to take the opportunity. You know, you have to be willing to do what may not be the best fit for the meantime until you can kind of pave your way. And, and most of the women I know who I would say are at a successful point of their career worked jobs and, and took opportunities that were challenged, challenging for them, but that's what really propelled them to where they wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I used to drive to Orange County almost an hour and a half each way to get a little more dermatology experience because I thought I really wanted to do medical derm. Mm-hmm. And same thing, I tried to find like the best opportunity and um, kept meeting with people and tried to kind of find something. And so I was able to find something part-time. Mm-hmm. And like after a month of doing like rash after rash after rash, I was like, you know what, this isn't my passion and that's okay. I, I was able to really identify that. And that's when I really realized like, okay, I really just want to do hundred percent aesthetics. Mm-hmm. And that was a big mind shift for me. Cause I always thought I have to do a little piece of 
um, you know, prescribing and kind of something in general medicine. And, and when I realized like, you know what, I, I, I respect that, but I, that's for me, I just started falling a lot more in love with injectables, but that's what really made me realize, okay, this is my niche. This is what I want to focus on. And that propelled me, but had I not done that opportunity, had I not explored that about myself, then I might have not realized like I want to do hundred percent aesthetics. I one day want to open my own business. So I would say for women, it's, um, and really anyone who's trying to kind of get to that point in their career, it's the same thing. You have to be willing to network and reach out to people. And um, sometimes it is at an expense or at a sacrifice of, you know, commuting farther or having to pack up and move or having to possibly spend a little less time um, on, with your, you know, personal care or things like that, because you're working a second position to get that experience. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I see a lot of, again, a lot of people in the hospital or, you know, in ER and they want to kind of transition um, so it might, they might have to work a second position as, as an intern until they kind of get the experience and, and can yeah. decide if this is even really what they want to do. And so I would say you just, you, again, you kind of have to create your own career and the beauty of it is you can in this field. And so I've met nurses who just want to do lasers and they've, they've realized like, I don't really like injectables. I don't like the risk. I just want to do lasers all day. Mm-hmm. And they've built a very successful laser career and then a laser business. And that's what, you know, I have there's an injector out here or not injector. There's a, a nurse out here who I refer to. She only does lasers. And I've offered mm-hmm. him several times, like, Hey, would you want to learn injectables? And she's like, Nope, Nope. I'd rather refer him to you. So she refers her injectables to me. I refer my lasers to her. That's great. So it's been beautiful to see how, how women can create that dream career and they can balance family life. And like, I only work in the clinic in Denver two days a week and mm-hmm. people are like, wow, like, you know, don't you want to work more? And I'm like, no, not right now. Like I, I spend the other days training because that's really yeah. important to me. Yeah. Um, and I have an admin day and, and the rest of the time I want to spend with my family. And so, and I've learned that about myself. I used to work five, six days a week and be this like hustler. And I realized like, you know what, that's not really what I want. So let me, mm-hmm create that path for myself that could allow me to have a little more family work balance. And so um, I think it's just really, again, kind of back to just with education, like exploring what it is you want, you know, seeing different environments, seeing, um, going to different trainings, seeing if there's different skills you want to pick up, networking, trying to find like the right person you would want to work for to get experience and break into the field, find your mentors, and when, obviously when I say find your mentor, not just sending a DM, you know, like <laughs> finding that mentor who you're, you know, you can contribute, you know, whatever it, free internship or yes. not just sending a bunch of DMs to people you've never met before or supported. But, um, so that's not what I mean by, you know, find your mentor. So, um, but yeah, it's like build that network for yourself. That's going to help you navigate what you want to do. And then, and then you'll just fly, you know, you'll have the vision, you'll have the skill, but I think a lot of people don't have a vision, like they don't really know exactly what they want to do. And, and that's mm-hmm. okay. You, you have to take time and explore that. Mm-hmm. And then you'll start kind of realizing little things as you go, like, okay. And that's yeah. kind of what happened with me. I realized like, I really love injectables and yeah. I don't really like to do as much lasers. And, you know, I, I love skincare. And, um, and then when I worked with someone who became a business owner, I was like, whoa, it's so cool to be able to create your own policies and, you know, yeah. be able to create your own um, aesthetic practice. And, and then trying to kind of pick up as much of those skills. And, and then finally, you know, getting to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. I've had the prep work. I've had the training. I've had the mentorship. I finally feel like I'm ready. And, the, and then you really feel like your own boss. And then you're really like, yeah. okay, I'm, I'm prepared. Like I can do this. And so it's just that prep work. You just kind of have yeah. to be willing to do that prep work. And, and, and then I think you can really get there and create the job of your dreams or the career of your dreams. That's awesome. Vision. That's the key. And, <laughs> and so, you know, Nikan, I do want to ask you, everybody wants to know, um, how can we find you on social media? Oh, so I'm not, I'm like, I still can't get on the TikTok train. I'm old school in that sense. Like even, even Instagram for me is still such a struggle. Like people are like, Oh my gosh, how'd you get that many followers? And I'm like, help girl. I've had help. Like I can't, I, I, you know, it's, I've had, different people help me and I've had social media managers and I'm very open about it because I think mm-hmm. it's too much to expect people to do it all on their own. Yes. Um, but so you'll, the main, my main social media outlet is um, the beauty PA on Instagram. Yes. And um, that's where I kind of, tr- I try to just upload everything there and do my stories and do all my educational pieces and mm-hmm. um, training information. And then um, I just have my, I just got my website out. Um, so that's yes. air aesthetics. It's A E R E. Um, aesthetics, A E S T 
T-H-E-T, you know, ICS. So yeah. it's on my, it's on my bio. It's yeah. On my bio. It's going to be here. It's, it's going to be, be there. Now. You'll see our aesthetics. Yeah. So you just click on that. Um, and that has information on trainings and, you know, how, how to join my email list. And mm -hmm. I try to make emails just either, you know, I either do training emails for to announce uh, for trainings or I do, you know, emails for my client list for announcements. Mm -hmm. um, but that's usually how people, you know, can find me is either on the website or on my Instagram. Um, I even have like my email on Instagram because people will sometimes email me questions about treatments and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So I'm very open love to network, love to share with injectors. I'm kind of like an open book. I believe in community, you know, just contributing as much as I can to this field. So yeah. So great. Oh my God. I love it. This has been filled with chock full of information. So you guys <laughs> make sure that you give her a follow. All of her information is going to be in the show notes. Um, and thank you, you guys. So oh, thank, this has been great. thank you for having me. I'm so honored. I mean, I know <laughs> your book is just gonna, it's gonna help so many people. I can't wait. Like I said, our last conversation, I still remember every little tidbit of advice you gave me. And I was like, wow, like no one's shared this kind of stuff with me. And it was, it was right when I was starting my business. And like, I went to my husband and I was like, I need to do estate planning. Like no one's given me that tip before. It was such, it was such golden nuggets. So like, I cannot oh, wait to read it. It's going to be the book of the year for anyone in, in aesthetic medicine. So, cause there's not, there's really not a lot of resources on the business side. And that's what I realized. Like there's so many trainings, there's so many anatomy books, but you know, how to protect yourself as a business owner and set up your future. Like that's nothing anyone's teaching right now. So I can't wait to pick it up. Thank you so much. So we will talk soon. And again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been great. Thank you. Yay, of course. Thank you for having me. Like what you heard? Please leave us a review. I appreciate you listening and your support. Follow us on Instagram at Plan Life Happens and comment on this episode's post. Also, I appreciate your feedback and ideas. Improving is the name of the game. I'm Leslie Tracy, your host. Thanks for listening.